Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place and our lives. Empower us to sing to praise you, to make music in our hearts, to give thanks for everything or in everything to our Heavenly Father. Teach us to relate to each other and to love each other as only you can do. Fall on us. Amen. So uh, I'm going to read a few verses about Pentecost. Uh, even this morning, I almost changed this list of, uh, of verses simply because, well, we found some more. But uh, let's just stick with these. Uh, th this is one that you have probably heard a few times. Uh, I've shared it a lot recently. Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. That was on the first Resurrection Sunday, the first Easter and in the days following, on one occasion, while Jesus was eating with his disciples, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be, you will be eyewitnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After Jesus returned to heaven, they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, with his brothers. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a Violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, again, before I launch into uh, the message, I thank you for watching. Uh, I, I know you could be doing other things right now. Uh, but you've chosen to watch, uh, watch our worship online, and I'm incredibly grateful uh, that you chose to do that. Uh, today, Christians around the world uh, celebrate the Holy Spirit's coming about 2,000 years ago. This is literally the birthday uh, for the church as God's people. Um, and as I was thinking about what are we what are we going to talk about? So what should we talk about on uh, Pentecost Sunday? Uh, I thought let's not talk about the the story of the event of Pentecost. Let's talk about uh, how we're supposed to live 
now that the Holy Spirit has come and now that the church has uh, been born, and let's talk about how we live now in this time where we have the Holy Spirit in us as his people. And so I want us to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 22. Paul is uh, ending a letter, the Apostle Paul, uh, who wrote many of the letters that we find in our New Testament. <coughs> uh, he, he's writing this to uh, Christians in a city called Thessalonica. And uh, he was there previously. Uh, he had started this church. He had uh, told them about Jesus. Uh, many of them were Gentiles. They weren't even, uh, they hadn't been Jews. They were Gentiles. And they uh, turned to, uh, from away from their uh, idols to worshiping God. And uh, so uh, a great transformation in their lives had happened. An amazing thing had happened there. The Holy Spirit came in power and conviction to change their lives. And uh, Paul's at the end of uh, this first letter to uh, the Thessalonians, and he's, it's, it's like all of a sudden he's going, okay, I need to remind you of several things. You know how that goes when you're in a conversation uh, and you're, you're saying goodbye uh, and you're not really to the final goodbye yet, but you just all of a sudden think of several things you want to say. Uh, in the in these verses in this section, it's like Paul is like, oh, we're, this is the end of the letter. I, there's several more things I want to say, and he just shoots out these little bullet points without it much explanation. Uh, and here they come. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse sixteen to uh, verses sixteen to twenty-two. Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Don't stifle the Spirit. Don't despise prophecies, but test all things. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from evil. Stay away from every kind of evil. Well, it is Pentecost Sunday, so I want us to focus on the, uh, the verse right almost in the middle verse 19 don't stifle the spirit now some of you are going that's not the way i remember that okay uh the niv and the kjv uh and the uh, some of the other versions of the bible translate that that verse a little differently but they all have the same general meaning do not quench the spirit the niv the uh, new english translation uh, says, do not extinguish the Spirit. And the New International Reader's Version says, don't try to stop what the Holy Spirit is doing. I found this particular translation the, uh, uh, to, be, to, to really catch my attention. Don't stifle the Spirit. So this week, I, I looked up the definition for stifle, and it literally took my breath away. Here's what I found. Stifle means to kill by cutting off the supply of air. To suffocate, smother, 
choke. Second definition is to suppress or repress, to hold back, to stop or inhibit. Stifle means to kill by cutting off the supply of air. This week, uh, videos and pictures of a man made in God's image uh, flooded our world his last moments in life. I want you to picture that knee on that neck. Let that image be in your mind as I read that verse one more time. Don't stifle the spirit. So one of the first questions I, that I ask as I read that, how can we stifle the Holy Spirit? How can we smother him or, or the work he wants to do? Uh, he's God. Uh, how could we quench his fire? How could we extinguish his, his work? How could we hold him back and keep him from acting? I mean, how, how could that possibly be? Uh, well, it is apparently possible since we're told not to do it. You know, you don't tell people not to do things they can't do. Uh, so we're told don't stifle the spirit. So I began to think, uh, and I asked the Holy Spirit, uh, how can we make sure that we don't suffocate you, that we don't keep you from working, that we don't inhibit you? Uh, I asked him to show me how we su suppress his spirit in his work. And uh, I believe I four, uh, found, uh, discovered, and uh, discerned four ways to stifle the spirit. Uh, in other words, these are four things we need to not do. But I, I've, I've been guilty of doing them. some of these, if not all of them. First, um, the first way to stifle the Spirit is to refuse to obey Jesus' teachings. I remember being in a, a Bible study many years ago in another state, so it's not the person you think I'm talking about. Um, and and uh, a man looked at me and, and said, in all honesty, in this Bible study, Jesus doesn't know what it's like to be a man. Otherwise, he wouldn't have told us that th this was wrong. And, and I, I guess, to be honest, I was a little flabbergasted. Uh, Jesus was a man. And he knows exactly what it's like to be a man. He knows what it is to be human because he was human and is human. Uh, but we, there are times we come to the commands that the, the, we find and the teachings that Jesus has and the principles he says we're to live by, and, and, and we have that same kind of uh, response. Jesus doesn't know. He doesn't understand my circumstances. He doesn't know what happened. 
you know, he says to forgive, but I can't forgive this. He obviously doesn't understand. And sometimes uh, I've heard a lot of people say something along the lines of, well, that was then and, and this is now. Things have changed. People are different. We know more than they knew back then or something. See, the trouble begins when we begin to think of ourselves as firefighters that need to put out the flames of, of, of radical, uh, of being radical and fundamental. Uh, it, it is not your place. It is not my place to put out fires. Uh, our, our place, uh, if I understand this verse correctly, is that we're to fan the flames of holy love into a bright hot blaze and that bright hot blaze will often call us and ask and, and cause us to make changes in our lives to come into line with Jesus' teachings. We can't refuse to obey Jesus' teachings. If we do, we stifle, we suffocate, we repress the Spirit. Another way uh, that I have uh, observed that, and that another way that we can stifle the spirit, the second one is that we can live for the next religious high uh, that comes from spectacular, unusual moments. So we're constantly looking for the next great thing. Uh, there, there have been all kinds of things throughout the history of, uh, of the church. One of my favorite stories, I grew up, my father was, uh, his, his thing was church history. He loved church history. And he would tell stories. And one of my favorite stories was that there was a time when uh, through, uh, throughout America in the, uh, in the churches, in the meetings, uh, that people would demonstrate or, well, that's what they called it. They demonstrate their their. their connection with the Holy Spirit by beginning to bark like a dog in the middle of the worship service. And uh, there was a Wesleyan uh, evangelist, traveling uh, itinerant evangelist who went into a community and the first night uh, somebody started barking in the middle of the message and just destroyed uh, the service. And the second night someone another person barked and then two or three people joined them and it was the end of the service and the third night or so uh the the pastor the evangelist stepped into the pulpit pulled his colt 45 revolver from his holster laid it on the pulpit and said the first person that barks tonight will meet his maker Now, it, I love that story. By the way, the, the rest of the service was really quiet and, and God actually was able to work in people's lives uh, because there wasn't anybody barking trying to prove that they had some connection with the Holy Spirit that nobody else did. Uh, we can live for those next, uh, that great next religious high, that great experience. Um, and it, by doing that, we often just set our own standards for what the Spirit should do and ought to do when we come together and when we meet together and when we worship. Uh, I've heard people 
say something like this, not exactly these words, but they, they basically said something along the lines of, if I don't experience thrills and chills in a worship service, I know the Holy Spirit wasn't there. You are a fire keeper, not a fire inspector. Uh, the spirit is like the wind, Jesus said. He blows where he decides to blow. He goes where he wants to go. He does what he wants to do. Uh, it is our responsibility to flow with the spirit, not to tell him how he ought to do his job. So one of the ways we, we can, uh, one of the four ways is that we can refuse to obey Jesus' teachings. And one of the the second way that we can stifle the spirit is to live for the next religious high. And the third one is that we can substitute creativity, our own creativity, for the work, the hard work of discerning the spirit's direction. Uh, I have a couple of humorous events. That, one, one is from a cartoon. Uh, it was supposed to be, a, it's a meeting of the, uh, the church leaders uh, following their very first service. It's a brand new church. They just started this church. Uh, they've had one Sunday morning worship service, and they're planning the next service. And one of the leaders says, we can't do that. We didn't do it that way last week. Okay, if, if I, uh, okay, I'm going to explain the joke because I have no idea if any of you are laughing. Uh, we, the, some people have called these the, the last words of the church. We have never did it that way before. Or the flip side, we've always done it this way. Again, the Holy Spirit goes where he wants to go. He does what he wants to do. And he often does new things. And we need to go with the flow. When I lived in Wisconsin, okay, so it wasn't in Michigan. And again, this has never happened in a Wesleyan church as far as I know. Uh, but uh, apparently in this town, there, was, there were two churches. There was a, a very staunch high church church. Uh, church of another denomination you fill in the blank uh and and then there was a uh, uh a church where uh they were far more expressive and in their worship services and, and a man went to visit family in the town and he got his directions uh confused and since the churches weren't very far apart he he was intending to attend church with his uh, highly uh, demonstrative uh, family uh, in their charismatic, uh, spirit-filled church, only to end up in a high church uh, building. You know, churches are churches, you can't really tell. And during the song service, he he particularly enjoyed the, the, the hymn they were singing. And so he, he said, Hallelujah! And the lady in front of him turned around and said, shh. And uh, later, after the, uh, the, the pastor's morning prayer, uh, he said, amen, good prayer. Shh. 
And uh, during the, <laughs> you, some of you have seen where this may be going, right? Okay, so the, during the, the pastor's message, he had some really good points, and the, the man said, that's right, preach it. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The woman turned around and said, shh. And the guy says, listen, all I'm doing is praising the Lord. She says, we don't do that in this church. We don't do that here. Um, sometimes we need to do the hard work of discerning where the Holy Spirit is going. The, the Spirit calls us to be a fire keeper, to ignite the new things he wants to do and, and to, to fan the things he wants to do in and through us into flame. Uh, we're not firefighters. We're not here to to say, well, we've never done it that way before. We've always done it this way, or we don't do that here. We're here to say, what is the Holy Spirit asking us to do? Or you, you and I are not firefighters. We're fire keepers in this congregation. Our responsibility is to find out what the Holy Spirit is doing and how he's leading us and to do it. So we can stifle the Spirit by refusing to obey Jesus' teachings. We can uh, we can stifle the spirit by uh, set, uh, looking for the next religious high. We can stifle the spirit by uh, substituting our own ideas and our own creativity for the hard work of discerning what the Spirit is doing and leading us to. And fourth, we can cling to competing agendas and counterfeit priorities to stifle the Spirit. This is one that I, I, I have been guilty of, and I believe many, 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 many people have been guilty of, because it boils down to a simple simple little prayer, which seems so good. And yet it stifles the spirit. It's a simple prayer that says, Holy Spirit, bless our plans. Notice what it said. It's a simple prayer, and it does sound nice, doesn't it? We want the Holy Spirit to bless our plans. We want the Holy Spirit to do what we can't do. Well, of course we do. But they're our plans. That's the whole problem. We come with our own agendas and our own set of priorities, and don't ask the Holy Spirit, what he wants to do, we simply say, bless us, bless our plans. So Paul says, don't stifle the Spirit. The sermon in a sentence for this morning is, is uh, along the same lines. Don't fight the Spirit's fire, but keep it bright and hot. Don't fight the Spirit's fire, but keep it bright and hot. Do not stifle the Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not extinguish the Spirit. Do not try to stop what the Holy Spirit is doing. Or the Haynes paraphrase. Don't try to suppress his actions in your congregation. 
some of us, I am one of them, uh, want to control things. We want to make things happen. We want to uh, uh, see them. We want to see our ideas come to life, essentially. And in the process, we can stifle the spirit. We can stop the spirit from working. So this is something um, we need to learn. You, I, and I, you're not a firefighter, but a fire keeper. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, you're not here to fight his fire. You're here to keep his fire going and to spread it. So what does that mean? Uh, well, it means that some of us need to repent. All right, I'm just going to be bold enough to say we all need to repent in some way, shape, or form. What, uh, repent, it's a nice Bible word, but what does that mean, Pastor? Thank you for asking. Uh, it's an about face in your thinking. If you've ever done any marching, whether in band or in the military, you know uh, when you do an about face, you're going this way, and then you turn around 180 degrees and go the exact opposite direction. Repent, to repent is, is not to feel sorry, although there may be some of that, but it is to recognize I'm headed the wrong direction. I'm turning around to get going the right way. I've been thinking the wrong things. I need to stop thinking the wrong things and start thinking the right things. I need to stop thinking that I need to control what happens and I need to start remembering that I need to follow the Holy Spirit. This is the repentance that we're looking for. This is the change of thinking that we're looking for right now. I am not a firefighter. I am a fire keeper. That's what we need to be telling ourselves. I'm not a firefighter. I am a fire keeper. And the fruit of, the, of repentance, the way we know that repentance is really, really, truly happened is that we start acting in line with our new way of thinking. I mean, somebody can say all day long, I was wrong. And I'll never do, you know, I was wrong. I realized I was thinking wrong, and I'm not going to think that way anymore. But if they keep on acting the same way they were always acting, you can be really, really certain, 100% sure that they haven't really changed their minds. So the Bible talks about the fruit of repentance. It's talking about acting in line with this new way of thinking. If you were wrong, if you were going the wrong direction in the way you were thinking and you've turned around and done an about face and you're thinking in a new way, then you should start acting like you're thinking in that new way. And so instead of me telling you what I think you should be doing, I'm going to remind you of what I believe the Holy Spirit wants us to think. I am not a firefighter. I am a fire keeper in our congregation. 
And now that you've decided to be a firekeeper, I'm going to ask you to ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? What is the Spirit inviting you to do as a firekeeper in our congregation? Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit. We need you. We don't need you to bless our plans. We need you to show us your plans. We don't need you to conform to our agendas. We need you to teach us to discern your agenda, your priorities. Come, Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you to blow through our lives and through our congregation and into our community in whatever way you choose. We, we need you to reveal the power and the protection and the provision that we find when we obey Jesus' teachings. We need you to take away our excuses and remind us of the joy of your grace and the power of your love to change us and to make us more and more like Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. We need you. Amen. Well, again, thank you for, for watching. Your mission is clear. Disrupt poverty, injustice, and oppression with the powerful, holy love of Jesus. Release the captives of sin and shame and guilt and addiction. Proclaim the good news of God's favor, his grace, his help, his peace, his joy. You are sent. Go in Jesus' name. Amen.